Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. And if you're hearing us via podcast, thanks for joining. We hope that this message would help you take your next step closer to Jesus as we do this together. Now, in this series, there's an important overarching concept that we must learn today. And that is that God wants to use what you already have because he gave it to you. Now, in week one, we really looked at the challenger. We looked at Goliath. The guy's nine and a half, maybe nine, nine feet tall. Um, if you look at the word Ju- uh, lion, where it says line of Judah here, um, that's, that's how tall he was. Okay? An average door is about six feet, eight inches. And so if you go beyond that, you're going to see how much taller you had to go to get that. Scholars believe he weighed about 580 pounds undressed. His chain mail was 125 pounds. And you can start adding up everything. He was well over 600 pounds dressed. That is one big boy. Would not want to feed him or how many gallons of milk would you have to buy for that kid? (laughs) So then last week we began to look at the shepherd boy, David. And we found out, boy, did he have a family past. They thought he was illegitimate. Even David said himself in Psalms that he was conceived out of adultery. That's what he believed. We find out through Jewish tradition that really what happened is there was a little switcheroo and mom actually went in instead of the maidservant with Jesse and he, she never told him that she was conceived by her husband. Can you imagine the shame she must have encountered by the whole family in the neighborhood? And we also find out that this guy had a really special relationship with God. He loved the Lord. So even though others didn't want him to do this or do that, and his oldest brother said, what are you doing here? Who's taking care of those few sheep? He was was always being picked on. He found a way. I believe his life story was preparatory for what he was about to do with that lion at the valley floor. Because he could handle all the criticism and ignore it, as we'll see today. So we've looked at Goliath, we've looked at David, and now I know some of you are being like, Pastor, when are you going to get into the fight? I want to see the battle. I want to get it. We're going to get into that today. So one of the things I want to really look at is there's this one unique thing that seems to be going on from generation to generation through millennia. And that is this thought process that we can have about gift mixes or what other people have. Have you ever not noticed that you look at someone and you go, I wish I had what they had? Oh, I know, I'm the only one in the room. I get it, I get it. If I was only taller, if I was only prettier, if I was only more handsome, if I only had more muscles, if I was only as gray as pastor, I, I mean, I get it. I get it. And if you were to look 
At 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 and 11, and, and do that in your own time, you'll, you'll find the Holy Spirit helps us to see and to learn that these gifts are how God desires to use us. And that you have unique giftings sent to you by God. How differently this story of David and Goliath would have been if David would have not looked at his gift mix, but would have looked and said, I wish I was a whole lot more like King Saul. I wish I could be like those Israelite soldiers. I wish I was big and ugly, well, not as ugly as Goliath. But he didn't do that. You know what he looked at? He looked at what God had done in his life, what had God had done in him and through him. The lions, the bears, the wolves. It didn't matter. God was always with him. And because of that, he became a psalmist. And he sang. He was always in his presence. So he saw this as just another wild beast. Let's get it on. Matter of fact, this is going to be easier because he's a much bigger target. Incredible. So let's go right to the text. There's a lot of reading here, but it's worth the read to see the whole story. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we'll start at verse 32. Then David said to Saul, so what has happened? David has come into the camp. He's saying, hey guys, what's going on? He's giving the cheese over the commander. And he starts to say, hey, hey, what am I hearing? What will the king give for the one who destroys and kills Goliath? Free taxes and he gets the girl? Say it again, say it again. And so finally, they bring David to Saul because he's the only one he has shown interest in wanting to go down to the valley floor to fight the giant. Now, you got to understand a little bit of the picture here. You see, the Philistines, well, they really are a coastal, they're seafaring type people. And so they come from the Mediterranean, and they're coming over the, the ridge and everything towards Jerusalem because they want to come into this particular area on the south side so that they could divide one part of Israel from the other part of Israel and divide them in two so they would easily conquer. In doing this, they come and they're on the south side of this, of this huge cliff and there's a valley floor and then up on the north side, there is now the armies of Saul, the Israelites. They had heard that the Philistines were coming so Saul quickly came before they could get into the spot they wanted to get in. And now they're at an impasse. And the reason for that is if Israel was to come down to the valley floor, well, all of their artillery would be going off. The, the arrows would be shooting and all the projectiles, and they would just be torn to bits as they were coming down towards the valley floor. Well, the same would be true for the Philistines if they were to come down from the south side toward the valley floor. They would be plummeled by Israel with their projectiles and arrows. So everybody stayed where they were at. For weeks and weeks they did this. And now, Philistine said, hey, single-hand combat, practiced throughout ancient times. We don't want all the bloodshed. We just want the slaves. 
We'll bring ours, you bring yours. Whoever wins, the other, that side takes the plunder and all the slaves. So now David is now before the king. And he says, you don't have to worry. I got this. So this is where we pick up in verse 32. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Him meaning Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I mean, this kid's 17 to 19 years of age. He's going, hey, 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 coach, I got this. Just give me the ball. Ain't no thing. I got this. Verse 33, and Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. I like this part. But, but David said to Saul, in respect, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it. How did he strike it? Most likely with a sling. And delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard. Wow. And struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear and this uncircumcised. Did you catch that? Meaning he has no covenant with Jehovah God. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. 37. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. That's confidence. What faith. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Now catch this part. Verse 38. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. Now, some thought, well, maybe he's trying to be helpful and everything else. I, I just got a little thought to put out there. What if he put on his armor so that it, when this kid wins, he gets the credit for it? People would think that actually Saul was in that costume. I'm just saying. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. In another version, I have not proved them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and he began drawing near to David and the man who bore the shield went before him. That's critical. We'll get into that in a second. 42. And when the Philistine looked around and saw David, he, he, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, rudy and good looking. Why? Because Goliath was worse than ugly. He was ugly. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog? He's offended. He's insulted that you come to me with sticks. Do you see the plural there? We'll come to that in a little bit. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, his pagan gods, right? And the Philistine said to David, come to me, come here. And I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. 
Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass, carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air. The wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. He's a team player. So it was when the Philistines arose and came and drew near to David... To meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Yeah, I mean, he's not just talking to talk. He sees that giant coming and he's starting to move fast. He says, Oh, yeah, and then he just takes off on a full sprint. Let's get it on. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag. And took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face. Can you just imagine, like a, just think about a big old two by twelve, just going plump, like his knees didn't even bend, just boom. Oh my gosh. Then David, oh, excuse me, verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off, a little rated R here for violence, cut off his head with it and when the philistines saw that their champion was dead they fled and they started running now we know the israelites chased them you know what i really love and we won't get into this but there's a part of the story that continues on they finally bring david back before king saul and he and literally he's got his hand will not pry open because it's frozen in the position to hold the head. So everywhere he was for the last hour or two fighting, he just kept holding on to that head. This is my trophy. It's my medal. I'm, lit, I'm holding it on my chest. It's going nowhere. And they had to pry his fingers to get it off. Wow. What a story. So much to cover. You see, in ancient warfare, there are three parts to warfare there's the cavalry those who are on horses and on chariots then there's the infantry man-to-man hand-to-hand combat and then there's the artillery many people think of only bows and arrows no that's only half they also would have slingers this is not the little kitty toy that you pull back like a, little bo- like a little slingshot. These 
were incredible weapons of devastation. Two long strings with a little pouch in the middle. You would hold it in such a way that you could let go of one of the strings, releasing the projectile out of the pouch, and the accuracy was unbelievable. So let's talk a little bit about this. When this devastating weapon is used properly, it spins. Sometimes they spin it here on the side. Sometimes they spin it overhead. But in their, when they get it to full revolution, they're going six to seven revolutions per second, depending along how long is the sling. Some are short, some are very long. That means the projectile is going about 35 meters per second. The stones in the mountains there in Elah are not typical rocks. These rocks are double density. They're what you would call barium sulfate rocks. It, it's like nature's lead bullet. It is super heavy, super dense. And they have great, much more stopping power than a typical rock would have. Now, they say that the ballistics or the stopping power of a projectile sent from a sling is comparable, catch this, to a 45 caliber revolver. This is a devastating weapon. This is not a toy. Now, what about accuracy? We know from medieval records that slingers could hit targets as far as 200 yards away without a scope, okay? That's pretty impressive. That the medieval tapestries like we have up here literally show signs that they were used to actually hit birds in flight. So we know historically and through the records that slingers could actually hit birds in flight. Now that's pretty accurate. So David goes to fight the giant and he's not 200 yards away. A lot of people speculate he's probably somewhere between 15 to 30 yards tops. Now for a slinger, that's close. And when you're 580 pounds undressed, can you imagine the size of his head? That is one ginormous target, especially for a slinger. So slingers throughout ancient warfare were really, in many ways, the determining factor of what way a conflict would end up. So David is a slinger, but Goliath is heavy infantry. He's coming with a javelin, a spear. He's got this humongous sword. He's got all of this, this armor on, things covering his shins and his arms, and he's just this monstrosity. But he's got what's really called acromalia. We would call it giantism. Giantism really is more specific towards children. It's when they get to the point where um, the bones have now fused together and, and all those plates are frozen together, then it goes into what is now called acromalia. And basically what happens is there's a benign tumor behind the, the um, excuse me, the pituitary gland, and it just produces an abundance of growth hormone. 
I just would have liked to have a little bit. So once the growth plates are done, now you have, you have the adult version of giantism. Um, there are some major side effects that, Dave, that Goliath has because he has this disease that causes him to be nine and a half feet tall. And part of the problems that he has is um, a lot of them are weak in comparison to what they should be able to lift and do. But here's the other problem that they have. Because of that tumor, it's now pressing on the visual nervous nerves so that their vision is impacted. They are now very, very much nearsighted. They can't see far distances. The other element or side effect is they have double vision. It's why he says, why do you come to me with sticks? He has a shepherd's staff, one. He's revealing he sees double. He also doesn't see far enough that when David's coming down the north side of the valley cliff and he's coming down, he doesn't even notice that he's not wearing armor, that he's not dressed for infantry man-to-man combat. He should have seen that. And how do we also know? Because... Because he doesn't, he's not agile because of the acromelia. He literally says, come to me. Why? Because he doesn't have good feet. He doesn't see well. He doesn't know where there's a rock or if there's a pit. He doesn't see well. You come to me. So why does he have to have an attendant walk him down the cliff to the valley floor? Because he can't see. He has to have somebody hold his hand and bring them down. Watch out for that bush right there. Come over this way. Why? Because he can't do it on his own. Goliath is a mess. He just looks the part. Did you catch that? This giant isn't everything he appears to be. What about you? You got a giant in your life? I wonder if you could see that giant the way God sees a giant. If maybe you would say, what a mess. Or are we more like Saul and the Israelite army? Oh my gosh, we're dead. It's over. We have no chance. There's a lot going on in this passage. But I want to focus on three specific things that are important to catch. And before I get to that, let me close some of the different comparables that I made between David and Goliath. You quickly will begin to see that because David, well, we would call him a modern-day sniper. How many of you guys have ever heard, don't, don't come to a, a gunfight with a knife, right? And that's what he did. He brought his sword and, and he brought his sling. He brought his sniper rifle. Now, when, when he killed him, well, we don't know. What happens is he takes that sling and he throws it. And he just, I mean, a beeline right here. And it, the scripture says it literally embedded. So that means he had to have broken or penetrated the skull. And that he falls flat out. So he, either, he is either 
unconscious or he's dead. No problem. Let's make sure. And that's when David goes up and takes his sword. And then he cuts his head off. To God be the glory. So let's look at three specific things that I want to highlight from from this fight. Just about David. David had the ability to block out the white noise. How many remember the black and white TVs? Remember those? Who had to be the kid in your family? Who had to be the kid to go up and hold the, you know, the, the rabbit ears? Now just stay there. Just hold it. Right? And if you didn't, you would get the snow, right? What we call that noise, that's what we call white noise. Where you get abundance of frequencies together and it just makes that. And it's like people sleep to that. People now buy machines so their kids could sleep to that noise. So David heard all of these voices, his older brother, these rude people in, in the Israelite army, and, and even the king. And he was able to black out all of those voices as though if it was just white noise. I'm not going to listen to it. It's not worth it. There in verse 33 that you can look on your notes if you want, but it's not on it's not on the board. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him for you are a youth. He a man. He a man. From his youth. I mean, this sounds like a statement that would hold most people back from stepping forward into their calling not David he knew how to shut out those voices that didn't line up with God last week we talked about that there are some people who will try to hold us back who will try to look down on us try to control us and there are those in our life that regardless of what we do they will try to keep us from where we need to go sometimes they don't even know they're doing it. They often come at us with doubt or even worse, rejection. Saul seems to be looking down at David because of his youth. And David just has a way of just saying, I'm not receiving that. It's just white noise compared to the call of God and what God is doing. I'm following that. So one way to discern if there's white noise in your life or if it's the voice of God is to ask a few questions. Questions like, is this a godly voice? Does this voice hold godly wisdom? Does this voice demonstrate authentic care for me and my loved ones? Does this voice violate the word of God and who God is? It's questions like this that will really allow you to see and discern the difference between the voice of God versus white noise. I see the enemy. Again, you would have to look in your notes here. Uh, Verse 34, 36. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep when a lion and a bear came and took 
a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered that lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant will kill both, has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies. This guy had his theology straight. You don't behave this way towards God. He has clearly said that he is the enemy. Ain't no thing. Let's go do this. He's looking at his past. I said he's looking at his past to see the victories and the provision that God has provided throughout his past. There was nobody there to help him when he went against a lion or a bear. He was alone. If he messed up, one wrong slip of the footing, he's dead. He doesn't focus on that. He focuses on what God has done. God has provided my strength. God has provided the intelligence. God has provided the reflexes, all the senses I need to do what I need to do. And he'll do it again with this beast. David is focused on God. There's another thing we need to remember. Remember what God has done for you. Just like David. Now I'm making it personal. Do you remember what God has done for you? Do you remember how you were before Christ? There are so many stories in the Bible of individuals being prepared for what was their future by looking at their past, by looking at their suffering. We see God prepared them to do this incredible thing. Some guy named Joseph. He was lied, thrown into a pit, into a cistern, sold as a slave, lied about by, oh, he raped Potiphar's wife, and he hadn't. And yet God was using all of these horrible experiences as preparatory, as boot camp, so that when he would, the time would come, he was ready to step into that position, equipped and ready for the challenge. He saved the whole nation, as well as his own personal family, his dad, Benjamin, who he had never seen. And now his dad has died. Now the brothers are fearful that Joseph has no reason not to execute them for what they did to him when he was a teenager. But look at how he speaks. Let's go to Genesis chapter 50. We'll look at verse 19 and 20. And this is what he says to his brothers. They're scared. They're on their faces bowing down before him. But Joseph replied, because they've asked him, please don't kill us. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of me. In my God, that I can punish you. You intended to harm me, but God, see how he catches this horrible experience of my past life, all of this horrible suffering, 
He realizes this is preparatory. This is what he says. But God intended it all for good. You brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. He brought me. Joseph saw that everything that happened horrible in his life was God preparing him so he could save the lives of all these people. And he didn't even know their names. God was with Joseph all along. God was with David all along. And God is with you all along. Seeing God work in and through our past gives us strength. It gives us confidence that whatever we face today, whatever we're going to face in our tomorrows, that our past, in many ways, is preparatory for what we will face tomorrow or even today. So before David ever picked up the stones and the sling, he already carried the memories of God's deliverance and God's provision in his life. And he had confidence. Where has God helped you? That if you focus on those things, you could have confidence. Remember when you prayed for somebody and God did a miracle and brought healing to them? Well, why wouldn't God do it for you? You think he loves them more than you? How insulting to God. Did you know God doesn't have favorites? I did. I've got five kids. I went up to each one of them completely alone, one at a time. And I told them all, don't tell anybody, but you're my favorite. <laughs> I was just waiting for the day. They came like a storm, all of them. Dad, you said I was your... I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I realized what happened. And I go, I never lied. You're all my favorite. Don't ever be confused. Dad, that's not funny. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's really funny. <laughs> David knew, and he walked in that. So here's another thing to remember. You have all that you need already. You have all that you need already. So remember the part in verse 38, So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put on a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. And David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, but he had, he had never tested them. And he's walking around, and he's like, Oh, my goodness. And you realize, I can't do this. And he takes it all off. So I've never proved this. I've never tested this. When I killed the lion and the bear, I didn't have this on, and I'm not going to go and act like I'm Saul. I'm not going to pretend I'm somebody else. I'm Pastor Marvin. I'm not Billy Graham. I'm not T.D. Jakes. I'm not Rick Warren. Now, those guys can try to be like me, and God bless them for trying You get to be you. And there's no other you like you. 
God made you unique. David figured that out as a kid. It took off and said, I can't go out here and try to look like one of Saul's soldiers or look like Saul himself. I got to be me. And that was a determining factor. He would have been dead had he gone out there looking like Saul. Many of us are trying to fit into somebody else's clothes, even today. Maybe you're trying to look back and you're a grandparent and you're trying to act like your grandparent or you're trying to act like your mother or father. Or maybe you're trying to behave like somebody else that you just look up to. Could I help you with that? Stop it. Your spouse married you. They want you. If you're single, don't try to be somebody different. Nobody's going to be attracted to you if you're somebody else. They want you. It's confusing when you're not you. Who knows what I'm talking about? So David put away all that extra stuff and, and he find five smooth stones. And he added that to the faith he already had in his heart. And now he was ready. Got rid of all the white noise. Remembered everything God had already done in his life. And he went one step at a time. No hesitation. He had his gift mix. He had the power of God on his side. And he went for it. Folks, it's powerful to start believing you already have all that you need to defeat the giant in your life. That's powerful. There are a lot of us here today who feel trapped in an endless loop of white noise. Too many voices. There's too many experiences of shame and regret. Or this defeat or that defeat. And our confidence is just dwindling. And I'm here to tell you, stop. You've got it. Be the kid when the coach is looking, who, who do I got left to pitch? <laughs> right here. Give me the ball, coach. I'm a coach. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, when I see that kid with those big eyes, and he's like, he's not saying a word, but he's sitting on that bench, and he's on the edge of it going, come on, coach. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm ready, coach. And you're like, come here. Come on, Johnny. Go get him. You just let him be. Where's your confidence? It's been dinged. I know mine's been dinged, but it's time. It's time to look at the giant for what that giant really is. Blind old fool. Nothing but a big target. Thinking I'm going to play by his rules. Hand-to-hand -hand infantry. Nah. I'm not playing by your rules. I'm taking out my sling. 
Go with your gifts. Don't fight by their rules. That's what we did in America. Oh, Britain came over. Get in a straight line and let's shoot each other. What part of Stupidville are you from, England? We don't fight that way. That's not manly. Well, pick up your dead and go home then. God gave you gifts. Play by His rules. You see, folks, the more time you spend in the Lord's presence, meditating on His words, just meditating on being in His presence, just be in His presence. Ask the Lord, Lord, I, I know you love me. Can, Lord, can you show me why you love me? Lord, can you show me? Lord, show me what lie I believe about you, what lie I believe about me. God, can you show me the truth? The truth about you? Can you show me the truth about me? Then God, forgive me for believing the lie. God, set me free. Set me free. Do you know there's a lie that says you're too old to change? It's not true. It is if you believe it. There's nobody more blind than the person who refuses to see. There's nobody more deaf than a person who refuses to hear. Don't be stubborn and obstinate. Let God do in you what you never thought possible. You might laugh and be filled with joy. So folks, as we close, remember from this story of David and Goliath, it's not a children's Sunday school story. Giants, maybe one of the big lessons, giants are not as big and powerful as they may appear. I don't know how big your giant is, but there's some weaknesses in that giant that the average person doesn't see. There's some issues with that giant that you may not see. But when you walk in your gift mix, when you walk in your faith, God could bring down any giant. Father, I pray for everybody here today. I pray that you set the captive free. Lord, what an incredible day. Pentecost Sunday. Lord, will you poured out your spirit and the believers spoke in Glossolalia in, in, in the language of, of, of other tongues. People heard it in their own native language. God, do a miracle in us. Pour out your spirit. Lord, use us the way you did David to take out giants that are offending you, offending your people. Take out our giants. Help us to not make life always about me, myself, and I. Help us to be kingdom focused. Help us to see just how great your love is and that you're more than enough. Pour out your spirit on your people. Jesus' holy name. Amen. 
Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.